Hi, I'm Jake Goslin, the creator of Churchfront, and you are listening to the Practical Worship Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dolphin, and this is a show that is designed to help you lead a worship band and be a leader of people. We release a new episode on the first Friday of every single month, so if you haven't already, you should tap that subscribe button on whatever app you're using to listen to your podcast on, and you're never going to miss another one. I'm so glad that you're here. This is episode 20, and today's guest is Jake Goslin from Churchfront. Now, Jake is a longtime friend and fellow YouTuber, and his company, Churchfront, helps worship pastors be better at what they do with podcasts and YouTube videos and online classes and coaching calls. And and as Jake is talking with hundreds of other churches from around the U.S. and and even other English-speaking countries, he's noticed the same three problem areas come up over and over and over. As he coaches other worship ministry leaders, their questions and their pain points can pretty much all be put into one of these three buckets. So in this conversation, that's what we talk about. He shares about what he sees worship ministry leaders struggle with in these three areas and how they can solve the problems that they're facing. He's also a worship pastor at Mission Lakewood Church, which is a new church plant just outside of the Denver, Colorado area. So he gets the challenges of smaller churches and even portable churches because Mission Lakewood currently meets in a high school gym every week. And he also earned his Master of Divinity from Denver Seminary, so he's got that going for him. Jake's a really good guy, and we'll get to that conversation in just a couple of minutes. But first, the product of the month is the Radial JDX Direct Drive. Now, nothing beats the sound of a real guitar amp. It just having an amp and those tubes reacting with all the electronics that happen within a guitar. That's that is definitely the best case scenario. But we live in a day and age where we're trying more and more to get the amps off of the stage or gone completely. And there's a lot of great options like amp simulators like Kemper and the Helix that are fantastic options, but if you're looking for a budget-friendly guitar amp simulator, uh, you might look into the JDX Active Guitar Amp Direct Box, especially if you just want to keep using your same pedal board, but you're in a situation maybe the, the room is really small or just bringing your amp of any size is just not an option. Radial just knows guitars and knows how to make those electronics do the things and simulate something that sounds really, really good for the price. And like, for example, in our youth area, we are building up that band and we're just not in a place where we can have guitar amps on the stage. In fact, as we grow that ministry and we have youth that are playing guitar and they don't necessarily have a lot of money to throw at a really good amp, a better option is to have something like the JDX that they can just plug their guitar into with a couple of pedals and get a really good sound for a youth band. There's a few switches on the front where you can change the tone and get some different options for the amp that you are simulating. And again, there are better quality 
options if you really want to invest that money. But if you're looking for something that is really budget friendly but still sounds really good and nice and full, the Radial JDX Direct Drive has been a really good piece of equipment, both on our main stage for a couple of options and also in our youth area. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to the Radial JDX so you can look on Amazon, get some more information, read some of the reviews of other people that have used it. And as we mentioned things throughout the episode, we're going to put those links into the show notes as well. You can find everything at practicalworshiplog.com slash podcast 20. And now here's my conversation with Jake Goslin. Jake Goslin, welcome to the show. It is an honor and privilege to be here, Dave. Thanks for having me. How is it that we've known each other as long as we have, and this is the first time we're doing this? Um, I don't know, man. You just hadn't invited me till now. So <laughs> I think the ball's in your court. I had you on my podcast. Twice. You that- had me on the podcast twice. So that means I'm a horrible friend is what that means. I think you're, I think you're right. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for that. All right. Podcast over. We're done. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, it has been really cool just, you know, as fellow YouTubers, and we kind of got into the space creating content in that regard, you know, just doing the same thing on YouTube. We've had conversations back and forth. In fact, I remember when you didn't even have kids, and now you went from like zero kids to two kids. How was that going? It's a blast. It, it, so they're 21 months old now, and it's been 21 months of exhaustion but plenty of joy to outweigh the exhaustion. Yes. So totally worth it. No, it's it's a lot of fun, especially now they're at that stage where they're not babies, they're more toddlers and they actually like they like interact with you. You can see more personality coming out. Um it it's it's a blast. Yeah. I mean, o- overall, you know, I got the best wife ever, healthy two healthy kids. Um I really couldn't really ask for more uh, in the whole family department, that's for sure. You got a boy and you got a girl. What's like their latest thing that they're doing? They, their latest thing, because now they're very confident about running around. And, and unfortunately, their confidence usually exceeds their actually ability to do the things they want to do. So it's just kind of fun watching them. It's not as, I think a few months ago, it was even more stressful, the whole danger management of, you know, they would just be outside on a, driveway running on concrete and then just completely do a face plan or something like that that's that's the stressful part at least now they're they're more competent uh with that so they're talking a little bit more saying cohesive words um that's that's kind of weird actually it gets really scary when you're telling your baby to do something or toddler and they used to just kind of moan or whine a little bit but now they'll just say no yeah they can actually respond Oh no! It's like a, this is a two-way conversation street now. <laughs> that 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 that's that depravity of man, that sin thing, that creeps in early, doesn't it? Oh yeah, very early. Oh my word! Well, it, as I said earlier, we uh, you, you know, you and I kind of started doing like creating content for YouTube and trying to help worship leaders and using that and you know using that space to um, just help the capital C church do what they do. I know why I started, but what was it what was it for you? Why did you want to start making content to help out other worship leaders? Yeah, a couple factors came into play. Uh it was kind of the intersection of what I'm passionate about, which is worship ministry and 
a couple of years ago, just went through, you know, I feel like my whole decade in my 20s is kind of self-awareness discovery time. And now I feel like that's what I tell every other person who's in their 20s, a few years maybe behind, and they're trying to figure out what they're supposed to do, what they're called to do. And that that's that's what it really was for me. Now I'm like almost 30, so I'm almost old and wise now. Um, <laughs> but uh, a couple of years ago, you know, serving full-time in a church, and it was a church where I experienced just kind of the, the typical frustrations of I have really big dreams to build something great with this worship ministry, but unfortunately, given the environment, there was just a lot, there were a lot of limitations. And now I've learned in hindsight, most of the limitations that we come up with are just, we just come up with them. And, and even regardless of our environment, uh, you know, we can still make the most of it and still press through the challenges. And there's so much, I think in general, we are barely scratching the surface or tapping into our own leadership potential. So I, I kind of experienced the frustration of that. At the same time, I experienced this sort of entrepreneurial calling on my life or that's how I realized that's like that's how God had wired me. And now when I look back even to when I was in high school, when I first got, a, got started with worship ministry, I've always had this kind of entrepreneurial flavor to like everything I do because I'm constantly like, okay, how can this how can we make this bigger and better? I, I honestly, and it's hard to kind of define where the, if there's a character flaw or where that's the entrepreneurial gifting, but I'm never content or with it, where, with where things are. You have a healthy discontent for things that are around you. Totally. Yeah. And I think sometimes it can get, become idolatrous of like, you know, thinking, having this myth that you're going to arrive at some point and everything's going to be amazing. And, you know, then you'll finally be happy. But at the same time, I'm trying to learn more about just enjoying the never-ending journey that I'm on, you know, whether it's building ministry, whether it's building business, whatever that is, even with my family, right? It's like, I'm like, sometimes I find myself thinking, oh, it's going to be so much fun when the kids are this age so we can do this. But I'm like, I need to just enjoy it now, you know, enjoy the process. Anyways, really, those are some of the things now that I'm like reflecting on this a few years after the fact that we're going on. And... I, yeah, I, I started doing some freelance video work and I'm like, wow, I can, I can kind of like live life on my own terms by starting my own business, adding value to people in, in ways outside of worship ministry. And I was actually just experiencing joy, kind of building my own thing, running my own thing, not dealing with really inefficient, dysfunctional leadership above me in that. And I'm like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. But I was torn because I was like, I still want to lead worship. But ultimately, I decided that I wanted to get done at the church. I'm going to do this video thing. And at the same time, that's when I discovered like this whole online world of like, you can create things online and add massive value to a lot of people. And then you can actually make a living doing it. Uh, I have retired from shooting wedding videos and... um I'm primarily focusing on on building Churchfront, and it's great. We're we're working with lots of worship leaders, tech teams, the YouTube channel, and I'm still like building the plane as we fly. It's still kind of completely making things up as I go and r- pivoting, figuring out like what's best for worship leaders as we're serving them. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's how it all started, and most importantly, what's been cool is you know I, I spent about a year kind of as a 
interim worship leader during that time when I after I quit my full time job. So I because I was still passionate about worship ministry. Like that's never gonna leave me. And um, I just know I have full confidence. Like this is my calling in my life. What I'm supposed to be doing. And then a year after that, I got involved at Mission Lakewood Church. My friend Darvin, who actually hired me at the previous church I was working full time at, he felt called to go plant the church. So he did like a residency thing and then he went and planted a church and then called Mission Lakewood. And he's like, Jake, I can't find a worship leader. I was kind of reluctant to get get involved and do it because I just like... I remember that. You're like, yeah. okay, I'll I'll fill in until you find someone. And and here you are how many months, years later? Yeah, it's a, it's been more than a year and a half later. And it's the perfect fit. I mean, I, I, this, I've, I just feel like God's kind of finally put me in a place and, you know, things change or whatever. So if he wants to change them again, he can, but I, I, I really couldn't be more content with like the current situation of being a part-time worship leader at Mission Lakewood, where I do have the freedom to like build a worship ministry. And then it just complements a lot of what I'm doing with church front. You know, Darwin gives me the freedom to completely change up like, oh, hey, this week we're going to be trying out. Like literally last weekend, we're, we're, we're experimenting for a month or two, switching to Proclaim presentation software. So we just we just do it. And, you know, we're going to make YouTube videos about it and stuff like that. But we have the freedom. Like Mission Lakewood Worship Ministry is kind of like my R&D research and development place for church front. And there's lots of mutual benefits uh, there for both the church and also for for church front. I think it's interesting just how you know when you left that previous church, you you were trying to figure out like what's the calling, where do I go, and you're like, okay, well, I'm you know I I know that this isn't working, so I'm going to step away. I'm going to do something on my own, which is kind of like feeding that entrepreneur part of you. And you're like, okay, well, I like videos, so I'm going to go. What what can I shoot videos? I'm going to shoot videos of wedding. And then as you kind of got into that space, you're like, this is okay, but. And and now you lean into a situation where it's, well, I could shoot YouTube videos that help people do worship ministry and then also create online courses and things like that. I always think it's interesting just how, you know, you, you go down this road and you don't necessarily, you know, see how the different pieces fit together until we have a little bit of, of hindsight. And I think what's, you know, interesting about, you know, where you're at is that, you know, you've had the the experience to sit down with people, you know, that, you know, as, as you've been creating content and I know my, this is the same way, you know, you produce a, uh, you know, YouTube video or a podcast or whatever, you start having conversations with people and people come to you for help and you start noticing like the same kind of problems start to creep up. I, like, have you seen that? Like when you're helping with people, where do you see them need the most help? Yeah, it, I'm, I'm, a, I'm talking to worship leaders every single day. Um, I probably have on average like three to five conversations a day with worship leaders from mainly within the United States, uh, sometimes other English speaking countries as well. And a lot of this, the, the kind of the same problems come up. And these are the same problems that I've actually discovered in my own journey. I think a lot of worship leaders have encountered these, these issues and really the primary challenges I see here. Um, and it's surprising kind of what you don't see. Cause I don't really see worship leaders coming to me as much saying like, Oh, I need to, become a better musician or whatever. Like, I think that's kind of the obvious thing that most people work on. And by the time you're leading every Sunday, like you have like a good musical, uh, you know, skill set. 
maybe you're not so good at directing the band, but we can talk about that a little bit later. But the most pressing things, even for like seasoned, experienced worship leaders are this, like people who have been leading for a couple of years. Uh, the first one is like the pastoral aspect of worship ministry. Um, and I kind of discovered this early on in my own journey of just kind of fumbling through Sunday mornings, not knowing what to speak or pray between songs. And even though like I kind of had lots of things floating around my head, like I, I, you know, I went to college and seminary, I just like didn't know how to articulate that in a great way on a Sunday morning. So just actively pastoring the congregation, not only through what we do on Sunday, but also even just in our planning process, like there's just a lack of pastoral intentionality in general. Most worship leaders, they, they're approaching it as let's just pick a couple songs and maybe a couple of those songs will hit on the theme of the sermon of that week. And, and that's it. So there's kind of like a, just like really lack of like, there's so much more of a richer approach that worship leaders could take that with that. So that's kind of the first major thing. Let's park there for a second. Why, why is, why do you see pastoral like uh, at that part of it? Why is that so important? I just, cause so-and-so just asked me to lead a couple of songs and I'm leading worship. Like, you know, I, I don't see myself as a, as a pastor, you know, to that person, what would you, what would you say? Yeah. I think that in general, we underestimate the, the power of what we're doing as we're picking songs, planning songs, leading songs, and then also our little prayers or spiritual encouragements we want to give in between songs. Like for most of the congregation, let's just face it, like how many of them are actually doing intense like or intentional spiritual development work throughout the week, right? All of us like want to shoot for like, let's do a half hour day of quiet time and devotionals and such. But for so many of, of our congregants, Sunday morning is at least the one reliable time a week where they're learning how to communicate and relate with God and really develop a language and understanding around that, develop their theology. And for about 50% of that time, we've got the sermon, right? And that's kind of straight up teaching or, uh, teaching type of worship, you could say. And then you have the other aspect of the worship service, which is like the music, the songs, any other aspects of the liturgy, sacraments. And that also has a significant impact on people's understanding of who God is, who God, what God has done for them, how they can connect that and apply that to their everyday life. Uh, we can't, often when you look at a worship service, you think that maybe it's just the sermon is kind of the part of the worship service that does the discipling or formative work when it comes to what spiritual work is being done in worship. But we forget that like a lot of that discipling and formative work, like on how it's impacting our hearts and our understanding of God is, is also done through the songs that we pick. And then the journey that worship leaders are taking us on, if any journey at all, uh, throughout the service. So I think there's just a general, just kind of we're forgetting like what what's actually happening in worship. And and I read a couple of books like James K. A. Smith wrote a book called Desiring the Kingdom. That one that one really opened my eyes and just helping understand that like worship, the whole service is a very formative event that really shapes our identity as the church, understanding and theology of God, our hearts, our desires. And like, unfortunately, in the past couple decades, because 
the line has gotten blurred between, you know, a lot of the cultural values and norms of secular music in the world and whatever. And, and I'm all for having cutting edge modern music and stuff, right? Like I, that's what I, I love. I'm passionate about it. I think it's a great cultural expression uh, for our context for, in worship. But I think we, we just have really, the area where we've really failed and we're really missed out has been the liturgical intentionality as worship leaders and just realizing that worship can and should be more than just slapping together three songs. Yeah, there's a, there's a, you know, an intentionality with like, okay, to pastor means to shepherd, just to care for. And you've got, you've got people that are in the room that you're leading in worship and putting words into their mouth um, and kind of taking them like you're, you're helping them to focus on dis- different attributes of God and and how that relates to them, and so there's that aspect of it. And then just the fact that you know, for that 20 minutes on a Sunday, that's part of your role as a worship, you know, pastor, worship leader. What do you do with the rest of the week? You know, how do you relate with people during rehearsal or you know at Wednesday night or just you know hospital visits and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it never it never really stops. There's different there's different different facets, different ways that we need to be uh, pastoring, whether that's the leading outside of the service, whether that's the leading in the service. I just think in general, and this is like, I, I love Zach Hicks' book, uh, The Worship Pastor. Yes. He just, says, he just says, you know, at the beginning, ready or not, you're a pastor. And and it's sad. I don't know. Sometimes I just really think it comes down to, uh, I guess, immature views or understanding of, of of the person who's the worship leader. And sometimes even a lead pastor of a church is not doing enough to help show their worship leaders like what you're doing is a big deal. It's not like the warm up for the sermon. And so many people have that really unhealthy understanding of of the rest of the worship service. Like what you're doing, planning songs, praying, speaking, the way you're the your your countenance, your presence on stage like that is so so impactful on on your congregation. What about technology? Is that something I I know for me like, you know, as I release different videos on YouTube, there are different topics that you hit. But if, if I show off a piece of technology, like those views go through the roof. And so that tells me, it's like, okay, this seems to be like a pain point or whatever. Do you see any stumbling blocks with like technology and worship leaders kind of maybe feeling intimidated or trying to figure things out? Oh, of course. Yeah, that's that's a huge one. And I, I mean, that's that's how a lot of, a lot of people discover my YouTube channel. That's why a lot of folks work with us in our coaching training program is because they understand there's so many great modern tools and tech out there. At least most of them do by the time they, they're, they're coming to my channel, but they have no clue how to navigate these things, whether that's your, your digital sound console, whether that's running tracks in worship or automating things in worship or capturing video of worship uh, in, in a lot of that, is super intimidating at first, but when you break it down into its simple building blocks and steps, like anybody, anybody can learn this stuff. Um, in fact, most people, you know, who come to me to learn this stuff, I mean, they're smart people. Like they've maybe they're already experts in other fields or areas, uh, especially those who are maybe volunteer worship leaders, but they they have kind of a, another full time thing they're doing outside of it. Like the all of this stuff, like we were just, uh, we were just hanging out with, with uh, Bethel last week at their conference, doing a fun behind the scenes shoot there, and 
at first, all that stuff is going to seem intimidating. Anything you don't know anything about, it's just going to be scary. But when you can just kind of really break it down into its nuts and bolts, like a lot of this stuff within a few days, a few weeks, anybody can pick it up. And unfortunately, though, like a lot of us do have to kind of go along, go about trying to figuring out on our own. Um, that was kind of my journey because like I, I was really passionate about raising the standard of excellence musically as well as technically at the church I was serving at. This is that one I uh, was serving full-time at a few years ago. And I was like, how do I do this? And then I heard about things like Ableton Live. I'm like, cool. I heard about things like digital consoles. Cool. And like, but it was kind of like a really frustrating journey navigating all those, those different, you know, the videos or blogs or articles or stuff like that. And I kind of just did trial by error. Um, even to this day, I'm still coming across tools that I had heard of at one time, like Dante, I've heard about it for like the past three years. Right. But then I never actually took the time to just like watch a YouTube video about it and learn what it did. And then your mind was blown and you're like, yeah, I can do so many things with this. Yeah, no. And there's so many, so many things like that, where if you hear about something repetitively, it's probably worth watching a video. So you at least understand what it is what it entails. Like, I feel like most things you can, you can spend about five minutes doing that. Like this literally, literally just happened to me yesterday. We're doing another tech tour at a church in town here. And my probably weakest area right now, at least, uh, trying to address this problem is like video production, doing like live streaming and worship and stuff like that. I know how to do basic setups, but when it comes to like advanced multicam setups and, and having multiple displays to send video to in your church, um, or online feed or whatever. That's probably been my weakest area, but we did this tech tour, and this is why I love doing these tech tours, and I get to see everything broken down into its separate pieces, how you get the video from the camera to the switcher to the video distributor hub back to the, the switching software. I mean, it sounds really confusing when I do it like that, but now at least like most of this, the things that we're working with with tech it's all about sending signals to one place to another place, and processing that signal, doing whatever to it. And it's really a simple concept once you break it down. And I'm constantly learning more and more about these things every day. And then I'm going ahead and you know making YouTube videos about it and and uh, helping our clients build systems around it too. So what would you say to someone that that says, well, you know, tech really isn't that's not my gifting. Like I I'm just not really built that way, wired that way. You know, I lead this worship ministry at this small church, but I just I don't really understand it. What do you what do you tell people like that that that's their story? Yeah, I I mean, number one, I, we always want to avoid just saying that we are a certain way and just settling with that. Like that's that's kind of a bigger philosophical thing and I'm trying to avoid that with myself like even being like oh i'm not a people person well that's a, that's a dumb thing to say because if you keep saying that you'll never be a people 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 person like we are humans are the most changeable beings out there i i really i mean i've experienced this in my own life so if you feel like you're not a tech person then stop telling yourself you're not a tech savvy person and actually believe that you do have like the god-given abilities to learn just about anything and if you keep putting it off, then yeah, it might get a little bit more difficult doing that down the road. But I really think anybody can have the right, you know, if you develop the right mindset around it, you can do it. And the thing about tech and worship today is it's like other areas of our life with tech. So 
if if you really don't think tech is going to make your life easier, then why do you have an iPhone or a smartphone? Like, you know, why aren't you just using a landline phone? And that's kind of like the analogy I give all the time when churches are like, oh, we can just keep using our analog console. Okay, great. Then you, you might as well just keep using the analog, you know, landline phones and stuff like that. Because they both do the same purpose of getting you from point A to B. But given our times and now the now the cost availability, accessibility of these things, like everybody would pretty much agree it's pretty foolish to just depend on a landline phone. Yeah, I and even like on the digital console, you know, um, uh, example, I, w- I was talking to someone about like analog versus digital, whatever. On the digital side, because you can store all those presets, you know, so I have different singers and different guitar players that are switching in and out, I can have those presets that I can recall. And even like the little mixers, you know, for the in-ears on the stage, we have different mixes already saved for those different individuals. Where that saves time and brings value to you as a worship leader is that when, like, our rehearsal time starts at 7.30, and I want to be playing music by 7.40. I don't want to be waiting around and dialing in gain structure and trying to figure out certain mics. We did it once before. Why can't we save that? And so we come in, we recall the last time that someone sang, we pull up their EQ and compressors or whatever for their, you know, for their their vocal channel on the mixer. And then they have their mix for their in-ears. Everything is as it was the last time they were there. And when you put all those kinds of things in place and you recall that stuff, it makes it easier to get up and running to do the things that are, you know, the the the, the main focus, the part that's enjoyable, and you're not just sitting around waiting for, you know, technology and trying to, you know, work that. So when you can learn those little shortcuts, it saves you time, it makes your life easier. And so, like, like you said, like with the iPhone, there's certain things you can do. It's like, oh, this makes, you know, I can put a reminder in my phone that, you know, to take my medicine or to go pick up my daughter from school or there's all these different things that makes your life easier. So it's worth the investment going into that. And if anybody listening to this has any doubt that you can navigate the latest tech for worship, I mean, I have so many videos on my YouTube channel that kind of break you down step by step. I just released... Uh, I don't do this all the time, but we I just released a two-hour course on how to take the X32 digital sound console, or it could be the M32 or whatever, as well as the digital stage box to go with it, and how to set that up. And like anybody who watches that in, two, in less than two hours, you, you could you fully configure your set digital sound console and know how, know how to work and navigate that thing. Are you ready now for the bonus round? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Jake Goslin, we are doing the bonus round in three, two, one, coffee or tea? Coffee. Early riser or night owl? Early riser. I was wondering that too, because we're actually recording this like 8 a.m. in the morning, your time, and it was kind of your idea. Yeah. So, And I'm, I'm an early riser too. I was curious. So... My goal, ideal, is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, wake up at 5 a.m., get to the gym uh, for a 5.30 hour CrossFit training, go home, have breakfast, get the kids up, have coffee, come to the office at 7.30, start working till like 5. That's amazing. Cat or dog? Dog. In-N-Out or Chick-fil-A? Oh, In-N-Out. Dude, we had... (laughs) I'm usually like pretty intentional about health, but whenever we travel... I just like I I'm really bad at keeping any dietary self-control. So we went to Reading last weekend in California and me, Ashton and Luke, our drummer on my team, and we had In-N-Out four times over the span of 3 days. It was 
It was so good. It's so disgusting by that fourth time, but it was kind of fun. We, we started going there and we're like, how many times can we go here? Hey, whatever happens in California stays in California. Yep. Sorry. Next question. First car you ever owned? A Dodge Ram pickup truck. Favorite book every creative should read? Yeah. A specifically good creative book I read was by, it was by Erwin McManus. And it was something about the artisan's soul or something like that. I think I remember, I mean, I'm, I, it's been a few years, but I think that's what it's called. And it's just kind of this idea that like all of us are, you know, have that, that calling um, to be kind of co-creators uh, with, with God and making this world better. So I thought that was kind of cool, specifically for like a creative angle. That's awesome. We will put that in the show notes and you guys can check that out. What is a hidden talent that you have that only a few people know about? I'm a really good handbell player. What? Have you ever done like the little colored wham sticks or whatever? Have you like, you know, that'd be the modern version to do, right? Yeah, they're called boom whackers. The boom whack. You even know what they're called. That was like my first thing when I was like little. I was at a private Christian school and that's how, that's how I learned music. That's how I learned to read music. We had a handbell choir and then, you know, by the time I graduated high school, we were like playing at an international symposium. We were like handbell rock stars. Amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the bonus round. Give it up for Jake Gosland. So as you're doing you know, these phone calls and talking with people and like, you know, DMs and comments on YouTube and just working with worship leaders all over the nation and even the world, uh, you know, you talked about pastoring being a common thing that always seems to come up and also working with technologies. Or is there anything else that you see over and over and over where people are are needing help and needing to grow and to be what they're doing as worship leaders? Yeah, I constantly hear I don't have enough team members or volunteers in my worship ministry. It's, it's like that come that one comes up so so much. And there's there's a few factors at play here. You know, sometimes we have to kind of step back and think about the bigger picture of the church as a whole. So you know, if you're a worship leader at a church of about 30, 50 people and you're feeling like you don't have enough volunteers, well, yeah, like it's kind of to be expected. Like you're the size and scope of your worship ministry kind of grows and scales with the size of the church. So don't expect to be leading worship at a church of 50 people and having a fully, fully staffed band. If you happen to have five to 10 people at your 50 person church, 10% of them ability to play instruments, like cool, but it also might be kind of overkill for your size. So I think there's like certain like balances we have to walk in our, just our expectations of like, okay, you you feel like you don't have enough volunteers, like first diagnose, like, like, why do you feel that way? Like what roles are really missing? What role, new roles would really help you out if you had more people and just kind of maybe get some clear pictures and, and trajectories of where you're going to go there. But then, you know, there's there are folks in churches that are larger, um, maybe a hundred or more, a couple hundred or more, and they just feel like, oh man, we don't have enough drummers. We don't have enough bassists. We don't have enough sound guys. And in that scenario, like, yeah, there's a couple things that have to happen. Number one, like you just got to put in the work of, of having more conversations with people in your congregation, putting yourself out there and inviting them to 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 join the team. And like, not just inviting, but also casting vision for them of how fun of a role this would be, how much this can serve the church. So you really have to like sell it to potential people, you know, who who could fill these roles. And then you also have to take in consideration the skill sets required. So in 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 the training and development of those people. Here's the thing: it, like I hear this complaint all the time. 
And it's important. Like, this is something even even I in my ministry, like, I was just talking yesterday with Ashton, who he works for me, and he also, he's in the band. I'm like, dude, we need to, like, I feel like we're at a point where, you know, our team is fully staffed, but I feel like we could we could take it another level just growth-wise. And I'm going to have, I'm going to start having more intentional conversations, you know, to recruit people for our production team and, um, you know, start to see if we can discover more musicians in the congregation and such, because I just want to get to a place where we... We, we have more people. And at the end of the day, it, it, it really comes to just being willing to put the work in and the time in to actually have those conversations and be persistent with it. Like really like put yourself out there. I think there's just this, you know, like kind of everything else in life, we kind of just think things just magically happen without us doing anything. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Like we really have to be proactive if we're going to grow our teams, build our teams. So, you know, the pastoral stuff, the tech stuff, that definitely helps from a kind of performance standpoint for worship leaders. But when it comes to our growth as leader leaders, like in our development of the teams and kind of the health of the the organization, that's when some of the coolest stuff's going to start happening because not only will you grow the team, but you can then start scaling the worship ministry where you actually are empowering other people to do a lot of the week to week work or leading songs or, you know, prepping tech. And then as a worship leader, number one, you're building a system that can run just fine without you there. And you can take a vacation and not worry about it being a train wreck or whatever. Um, and you're also going to have the freedom to start working on maybe some other kind of higher level creative projects that you always dreamed of doing, but you never had time to because you're the only one doing planning center, pro presenter, Ableton and everything else every single week. And you don't, you simply just don't have time to. So that's kind of when I feel like, and, and that's where I'm at too, both, both with my ministry, both with, um, business stuff. At the end of the day, the most precious asset we have is time, whether we want more time to work on worship or, or anything else in life, be, spend time with our family. And in order to get there, you have to build these systems. You have to build and recruit team members, but I think this is the the hardest aspect of building a worship ministry. So what is one thing, just kind of reflecting back, I feel like this whole conversation has been a lot of like reflecting back, but you know, what's one thing that you would do differently if you had a chance to start back at the beginning of Mission Lakewood? If you could go back a year and a half or so to that moment, you know, knowing the things that you know now, um, you know, the, the learned experience you had, plus talking to all these different people, is there anything that you would change or do different or make sure that you did it quicker I would have had more conversations uh, with and, and build the team out more. And again, it's like it's hard though, because in a church plant setting, we do have to be conscious of the the people who are there, like and and already serving a ton. You know, maybe even other areas outside of worship ministry. So, I I am pretty pleased with like what it's been like the past year and a half. At the same time, though, I started this position thinking, oh, I'm just kind of the interim guy or whatever, and. I'm like, I don't have to feel, I wasn't thinking very long-term about this ministry, but now that it's like, I, I'm not going anywhere and this is like where I want to stick around for, for, for the foreseeable future, I'm realizing like, man, I, I think I needed to, I think earlier I should have been doing what I'm more intentionally doing now, which is like, how can this thing run completely without me? And I think all of us, every time we step into any worship ministry, Starting a new worship ministry, that should be one of the primary goals always on our mind because that's going to really make us make some smart decisions for even when we are there running everything, like we'll make sure we're setting up the best systems 
that can, you know, that'll be time saving, they'll be efficient, they'll be easy to follow, easy for anyone to do, so that when we're not there someday, it'll just keep going. So I think I would have just been more intentional about that from the get go. Yeah, that's really good. One thing I really want to drive home for worship leaders listening to this is my guess, and, and maybe maybe you're like 100% content with your current situation of your your worship ministry, of where you're at personal, personally, um, and you don't want to change. And maybe this, I guess this won't apply to you, but for those of you who have big dreams and goals and a destination you want to get to with your worship ministry and with yourself, all of those dreams and goals, they lie outside of your comfort zone. So, Never expect you're going to become the person you want to become or achieve the goals you want to achieve by staying in your comfort zone and never changing anything, never pushing yourself, never actually putting in the hard work and effort to get there. Because guys like myself and, and Dave, we can share the best you know, tips, tricks, tools, whatever, all the time, and you can just learn those but it's going to actually take you stepping out of your comfort zone to apply them and get the results and dreams you want so that's been something that i've been really having to push myself just repetitively constantly it's like i get to a destination a place that i dreamed of and it's like great this is awesome but i know god wants more of me god's calling more out of me and i can do more but that's going to require me to step out of my comfort zone uh, in another big way and it's going to be uncomfortable because you're stepping out of your comfort zone but the reward on the other side of that is so great it's so worth it you're going to flourish as a human being and reach your god-given potential and your team's going to grow and flourish and just make a huge impact so can i tell you a secret this is a leadership podcast now i don't call it a leadership podcast because I think that word gets thrown around a lot and some people get turned off by it. But the truth of the matter is that the solutions to the problems that I see a lot of worship leaders face come down to leadership advice. Jake and I both make YouTube videos and we both know typically how videos are going to perform based on what they're about and previous metrics and keywords and what people are searching for on YouTube and videos on technology and like tangible things like how do I mic a snare drum? How do I set up the routing on an X32? Which in-ear monitor headphones are best? Those videos are going to perform really well and get a lot of views. But videos on leadership and how you lead your teams better and how you build systems and manage your time and stuff like this, those videos don't get as much traction. But I would argue that it's those things, those pieces of leadership advice that create the biggest impact in your ministry. And the reason I say all this is because Jake has a ton of resources with videos and podcasts that are free and online courses and coaching groups that have a reasonable financial investment to them that will make you better. If you can learn how to lead your ministry more effectively, the entire ministry gets better. And even if your church doesn't have the budget for something like that and you have to pay for it yourself, you're worth investing in. And as Craig Groeschel says, who has a ton of wisdom when it comes to churches and leadership, when the leader gets better, 
everyone gets better. If you want to learn more about Jake and Churchfront, I'm going to put links to all of his stuff in the show notes, plus all the other things that we mentioned throughout the episode. You can find them at practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast 20. If you've made it this far into the podcast, take a moment and do this. Take a screenshot and share it on social media. I love seeing where you guys are at and what you're doing. And not only is it cool to know that you're listening, it's fun to know when you're listening and how you're listening and what you're doing while you're listening. And when you share it, tag me in it by using at Dave Dolphin. Okay. And thank you to everyone that has written honest five-star reviews and ratings on iTunes and also on the iOS podcast app. A special shout out to the Adam R who just left this podcast review. Listen as Dave pulls back the curtain and gives you insider tips, tricks, and practical advice for the everyday worship leader. The heart and insight that Dave freely gives, you should be paying for, but Dave provides that for you because of the love in his heart. Stop reading this and just listen to another episode. Adam, you're very gracious. I really appreciate you saying that. Now, the reason why I share that and why reviews are so important really has nothing to do with me, though. It it actually has to do with iTunes and how it ranks podcasts within the system. The more reviews and ratings that a podcast has, the more that iTunes is going to suggest this podcast to other people that have similar interests so more people can benefit from this content. And if you're listening to this on Google Play or Spotify or Tune in or Stitcher. Thank you to you as well. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin, and let's do this again next month.